With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Own the Microphone. My name is Bridget McGowan, and I have with me today, Stephanie Michelle. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hello, Bridget. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Everybody, Stephanie is really doing some something fun. Uh, she is truly a nomad. We were talking before the start of the show how she has spent time in Southern California and she spent time out on the East Coast and she's lived in San Francisco. She's just kind of moving about just, uh, no, 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 just having a good time in life. Talk to me a little bit, Stephanie, about life up to this point? How did you get to this point of being a coach, of being uh, uh, just this incredible networker, a hypnotherapist, and uh, a professional speaker? How, give us the Stephanie Michelle journey up to now. Yes. Okay. So long story short, I did not come out of the womb speaking or networking or doing any of those things. <laughs> so yeah, goodness. So I'll start at near to the future or near to the present, excuse me. So right now I'm a digital nomad, which I did not think that I would do because I was very much so rooted in San Francisco. I had my community of friends, was regularly hosting a bunch of events and felt really great connecting people and feeling connected in the process because I didn't always feel that way growing up. I didn't know that that sense of connection was accessible. So in my adult life, being able to not only feel that for myself, but to be able to facilitate that felt amazing. It was something that was a dream as a kid. Oh, wouldn't it be cool to have, you know, a, a community of friends and, and all of that. Uh, so yeah, it, it's been, you know, ever since March 2020, I was kind of hanging in there in San Francisco, just waiting it out. And it became clear over time that uh, if I was waiting to resume this lifestyle that I had become accustomed to over the past five years, I could be waiting for a, longer than I bargained for. So in, instead of waiting, you know, during that time, I was... Um, actively doing personal development work and transitioning my events online. But it became, yeah, it became clear that it was time to redefine community, redefine home and consider other places of being. It was a life goal growing up to move into the, into the city. I was going to say the big city, but San Francisco is the smallest city that there is seven by seven miles. Uh, so yeah, growing up an hour outside of San Francisco, I would always just tell myself one day I'm going to live there. And, and I did that. And now is this really 
interesting time that I couldn't have predicted, certainly a couple of years ago, wouldn't have been on my radar, that now I'm traveling across the United States, different places where I'm considering living in the future. And I thought it would be six months, but it's already been five months. So I could see myself doing this for a year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you talked about how you found that it was time to redefine community and time to redefine home. And you also said you didn't come out of the womb owning the microphone. How do you redefine? How did you redefine that reality for yourself where you did not just show up at an early age and say, here I am. I love the microphone. I love audiences. I love people. How did you make that shift and redefine yourself to where now you are wowing crowds? Yes. So a a big part of that journey was overcoming limiting beliefs. And at the time, I didn't think they were limiting beliefs. I thought they were reality. And they certainly were my reality. So for example, having this impression that if there was an opportunity to even win something, let's say, I may not have applied to it growing up, let's say, just because of this idea of someone else will appreciate it more than me, or someone maybe deserves it more than me. Even though now I realize that doesn't make any sense. No, you you go for the thing. Everyone is deserving of what they want. But I, I also think there was a disconnect between allowing myself to want what I wanted, even if it wasn't 100% necessary. So that's another topic in itself, giving ourselves permission to say, Maybe this isn't something that I need to do. It's not 100% practical, but hey, I want it and it's enough. So, uh, so, so that was a huge piece. And, and there was, so growing up, I always found a lot of, uh, of release through singing. So I did occasionally perform, but I didn't have a stage presence to speak of. <laughs> I, I was not interested in dancing around for people. Uh, at one point in time, one of my aunts took me to Star Search, and they they wanted me to dance around while I was singing, and I refused because I didn't want to be this show pony. I was like, no, it's about the integrity of the music, and I can just sit here even if my eyes are closed. I thought that was okay. Of course, they didn't, so that didn't really go anywhere. But yeah, for me, a lot of my journey in finding my public voice has been in decoupling it from ego or this idea that you're conceited if you want to be seen or that someone else is more deserving of you. And this is a reframe that I use with clients as well that has helped me in my journey. Thinking of yourself as a person outside of yourself. So if you're treating yourself in a way where you are, let's say, less deserving than someone else, when you flip the script and think of, let's say, let's say that, for example, Stephanie, there's another Stephanie out in the world. Would I think that she shouldn't be able to do X, Y, Z or that, oh, she should, you know, she should really let someone else. No, I wouldn't think that. So that reframe in itself can be really helpful. Just ask yourself if, so there is, there's a golden rule, treat others as you wish to be treated. Then there's the platinum rule, treat others um, the way that they want to be treated. And then I think there needs to be another rule, you know, right now off the top of my head, this could be called the rose gold gold rule about treating yourself. Let's go with titanium. What's our titanium titanium. rule? Yes. What is it? All right. Okay. So the titanium rule would be treating yourself with the same regard 
and respect and consideration as you treat others. Mm-hmm. We just yes, to yes, term. yes. So what is the first step? Definitely employing the titanium rule is probably going to be up there. What's the first step for a person in giving him or herself permission to say, this is not a need, this is a want, and I'm okay with it. I, because we're, I don't know, we, we've been conditioned to shy away from wants mm-hmm. and to focus more on necessity. So what is the first big step for people to take with granting permission to themselves to say, it's a want, not a need, and I'm cool with it? Yes. So having a sense of awareness is really the first key because so oftentimes a lot of the programming that we have is subconscious. So it may not even cross our minds that we want something because that thought is intercepted to the point where the only thought that we think is I don't deserve it or, oh no, I don't need it. So I want doesn't even make it into our conscious awareness because of this program that's been running maybe since childhood. So think back to those childhood years, who knows, maybe you wanted a certain toy. Maybe you wanted a, an ice cream for no good reason. You just wanted one and you expressed that desire and you were told that you don't need it or that you don't deserve it. <laughs> Either one is, is possible. And Oftentimes, so our developmental years in terms of brain development, uh, typically a lot of our subconscious programming happens before the age of seven. And 95% of the processes that are, that are running that dictate how we feel and how we act in the world is from that programming. So it, sometimes it can take that pause and asking, wait a second, is this how I actually really, is this how I really feel? And to let's say, treat yourself as an adult. Start with those little things. Tune into what those even little desires are that would be so easy to dismiss and experience what it's like to be worthy of it and prove it to yourself. It sounds like it's about putting yourself first. And is that what you tend to teach your clients is putting themselves first, yeah? Yeah, so there, so there's a negative connotation for being self-centered. So we've heard the term self-centered as, let's say, being synonymous with being narcissistic or being full of yourself, when really, I think we need to change the conversation around what it means to be self-centered because it's, it's that whole plain analogy where you need to put your mask on first and then you have more to give. So if you are nourishing and replenishing and truly doing that inner work to get to know yourself so that you can be yourself, then that has a ripple effect on everyone that you meet. So it's really the greatest gift that you can give others to fully be there for yourself, not from a place of scarcity, not from a place of uh, insecurity, but from a place of openness and love. You cannot give parts or pieces of yourself to others, whether it's in service, whether it's in support. You cannot give to others if yourself is not whole as opposed to in pieces. Stephanie Michelle is a Forbes featured leadership and life coach, certified hypnotherapist, and best-selling author of the transformational networking book, Confident Introvert. She has facilitated over a thousand events, 
and established a fulfilling career helping people generate meaningful connections with themselves and others that catapult them forward in their careers and their lives. To date, Stephanie has helped thousands of people celebrate their strengths, step into their authentic confidence, and make meaningful connections through speaking at places like Harvard University and one-to-one coaching. I want to talk about this confident introvert piece. I am a firm believer, firm believer, because we, we're kind of talking about some really polarizing ideas here. Putting yourself first, yes, it's a must. It's not narcissistic. And I am about to talk about this confident introvert piece here from my perspective and the fact that I think introverts are actually some of the best presenters on the planet. Extroverts are great, don't get me wrong, but introverts are absolutely fantastic speakers. Tell us more about your stance on the confident introvert because it almost a contradiction in terms, almost. Talk to us more about your book and what, what somebody would learn in it. So you're not alone with thinking that it could be an oxymoron. And that is one of the main reasons why I put those two words together, because they are absolutely not opposites or one doesn't negate or exclude the other. Uh, So this is an opportunity to more fully understand what it means to be introverted. Being introverted doesn't mean that you're shy. It doesn't mean that you lack confidence. It simply means that you get your energy from solitude. So maybe you need more alone time, but then you can fully bring it when you're on stage. It doesn't mean that you can't. And one of the reasons why I would agree with you that introverts can have a a more connected stage presence is because of introverts' tendencies, let's say the deep knowledge that they that is more innate to their experience of knowing themselves through introspective journaling and things of that nature, perhaps a heightened sensitivity. Uh, that is not always present, but is more likely to be present uh, with introverts versus extroverts that, for example, extroverts tend to get their energy from social engagements, and but not just any social engagement, like an EDM concert can be something that's totally enlivening to an extrovert. And I would be like, get me out of here. I am done. Like turn the lights down. Can we listen to some, some softer music, you know? Uh, so it, it's just a difference in in how we show up, but to name a few introverted speakers that not everyone knows are introverts. So think about the presence of Brene Brown. Think about the presence of Chris Rock. Think about the presence of Beyonce. These are introverts. And it can also, yeah, that... So yeah, what was the other part of your question? I want to be sure that I answer it. Well, no, you answered it. I was asking about your book, but to be quite honest, you did what I should have (laughs) put out there was how do confident introverts show up on a stage and so your answer checks the box it checks every single every single box and I want to talk a little bit more about extroverts and the fact that that's that they get their energy from others they get their energy from those social events and Oftentimes, they can be quite disappointed when it comes to presenting, and especially if they have an audience where the audience is not bringing the energy. Mm-hmm. And with introverts, they understand and they're perfectly fine with it if the audience doesn't, quote unquote, show up bringing the energy. Because for them, they have worked in private 
to make sure that their message is on point and they are ready to bring it to the stage and they know if they show up, show out, give the audience what it came for. The audience may not be sizzling at the start of their presentation, but they know the place will be on fire by the time they finish because they gave the audience something it can use. Stephanie, how give your audiences what it or what they can use? How do you show up in your presentations in a way that makes you just downright dynamic? So being flexible is very important. So to your earlier point, this is really profound. This is a a key point, right? You will not always get a lot of feedback or positive feedback from your audience. So an example of this that stands out to me is I had this speaking engagement where I was booked to speak in front of a few hundred people um, at um, one of the tech companies in San Francisco. And the person who hired me loved the concept of this workshop, uh, networking for introverts. This was sort of the catalyst for my book, Confident Introvert. And one of the questions that I typically would ask when presenting this workshop is, show of hands, who here identifies as an introvert? So very early on in the presentation called networking for introverts, I asked this question and pretty much no one raised their hands. So I realized very quickly that, huh, there was a disconnect here. The person who booked me is an introvert and excited. However, his audience is extroverts. (laughs) And I found that really fascinating. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I could have been like, oh, okay, well, then I guess you're going to have to pretend like you are, or, you know, been like, I kind of fumbled around, but I said, oh, okay. So you'll learn some things about the introvert experience, but I'll also be sure to share a lot of networking tips. So we'll be a little more networking heavy than introvert heavy today because of our audience. And I was able to be flexible and maybe go through some of the slides in more depth, others in less depth because my audience was pretty much the opposite of who it usually was. What I love about that example is one, it reminds me of a presentation that I did out in San Francisco, where I thought the audience was going to be, I think, math instructors, but it ended up being English instructors. And so just having to shift gears, I, I, are you kidding me? That's not what I liked about your answer because it took me back to a place I didn't want to go to. Oh no, let's go there. <laughs> what I liked about it was you demonstrated for us what you do when there's a glitch. How you just you keep moving right along. You just make the shift. You don't make a big deal out of it. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, this event contact. Uh, we're going to have to talk. (laughs) We're going to have to talk. And then you may not even be thinking that because what's the point in talking? The, The point is I'm here, the audience is here and they are looking for content. They are looking for a presentation and it can't just be any presentation. It definitely cannot be the one that I prepared or specifically what I prepared. I'm going to take what I know, shift gears a little bit, and make this a meaningful experience for everybody. But I can't get all up in arms because you'll have some people where if something 
is out of place, is off balance, doesn't work right, isn't what they expected, then it becomes this really dramatic <laughs> occurrence. And my point is, or my question is, okay, so what does that do? What, how, how does that fix the current situation? So I absolutely love how you just said, all right, let's make some lemonade here. <laughs> yes, it's, it's one of those situations where I'll bring up another point that has been helpful for me in my speaking career. Up until this stage, no pun intended, I haven't 100% scripted my talks. I've I perhaps have bullet points and I speak about things that I know so well, where I also come into the event knowing it's not about me and my ego. It's about giving these people the information. So that's what helps get me out of my head and questioning, you know, how's my hair? How's this? How's that? None of that is relevant. And of course I will take the care to make sure everything's okay before, but it's not the main focus. The main focus is on people. So asking those questions to gauge how people are and what's relevant for them. And I also do, uh, during my presentations, like to say, if, if anything resonates with you, feel free to, um, to, to call show of hands and just have constant engagement where that can probably help an extrovert as well. If you would like to have that energy and it doesn't already exist, you can cultivate it in that way. I found that even though I identify as more introverted, I still like to engage people by occasionally raising their hand, maybe standing up when it's relevant or appropriate and having, and just being flexible and understanding that first and foremost, you're there to be of service and to provide information. And if you take a slight pause, it's, it's not going to be the end of everything where you can just, you can keep things going. Exactly. Exactly. And for our listeners, I want you to think about questions that you can ask your event contact beforehand and then even asking your event contact if he or she is so kind enough to put you in touch with three to five people who might be in the audience so you can talk to them and gauge not only an interest in a topic but what are their challenges what are their concerns that I'm not saying completely dismantle what the event contact has come up with as the possible presentation, but just to give yourself some guidance and some ideas. Yes, three to five people out of an audience of, you know, 100, 200 may not give you the most accurate assessment of what you have in front of you, but it can give you some ideas for maybe where the presentation should go. But yeah, if you can talk to some of the audience members, even if you talk to them before the start of the presentation, if you're able to do that, just kind of mill around, do some fact gathering whenever you can. But uh, sometimes no matter the amount of fact gathering you do, oh my goodness, do I know. Uh, sometimes things can just kind of, yeah, have a little hiccup. <laughs> I, I love that you brought that up though, the whole concept of either before and or after being out among the, among the people, among the people that are at the event, because you're a person at the event. So I know, so back when we were doing more in-person stuff and that is coming back, but, uh, but yeah, back when that was more common, I, 
if, if I could, I might spend a little more time alone before the presentation to have my energy reserves. But then after, it was always great to just mingle and also be a fly on the wall, see if people were talking about different points that you brought up in your presentation, and just to be curious and to also lessen that divide. Because sometimes as a speaker, there can be this divide where it's like, oh, there's the green room, there's where the speakers go. Oh no, speakers only talk with other speakers or organizer, and then they need to leave to their next VIP experience. And it's like, okay, come on. Like, <laughs> this is an opportunity to, um, to mix and mingle with your peers. Yeah. So that's an opportunity that, that I wouldn't give up. You're already there. And it doesn't mean that you need to work the room for an hour. You just presented that can be draining in itself, but even just a few quick hellos and asking people, oh, what do you think? And, and getting those firsthand testimonials. And maybe even if you feel bold enough recording, asking, hey, is it okay if I get a soundbite of what you thought of that presentation? I'm glad that you brought up the testimonials and asking for recordings, especially for those of you who are thinking about being a professional speaker as a side gig, or let's say you already are a professional speaker, or you're launching your career, or let's say you are in the thick of it. Get as many testimonials as you can from happy audience members, and especially the ones who approach you after a presentation. 95% of them were happy with your message. There's only going, if you, there's a slim chance someone is going to come up to you after a presentation to say how terrible it was. So the bulk of them are coming up to you because they enjoyed your message and they are likely to also be agreeable when it comes to your invitation to give a testimonial. Just whip out your phone, hit record in the, in the camera uh, section camera functionality just like that uh, make sure of course get the person's name and maybe take a screenshot of their business card or something like that but having those testimonials on your speaker website that will speak volumes to people who are looking to book you because it's one thing for you to talk about how fabulous you are or for your speaker reel or your sizzle reel, your one to two minute commercial, video commercial of yourself. It's one thing for those to show what a rock star you are. But if you can get other people to say you are a rock star, that is what sells event planners on you. Stephanie, what's a question you have for me? I know I am flipping the script. I'm turning the microphone around. What's a question you have for me? Yes. Okay. So I love that you're asking this because it reminds me of in an interview, not this kind of interview, a job interview at the end, there's always the question or typically the question is, do you have any questions for me? And you know what the wrong answer is? No, no, <laughs> I don't have any questions for you. Oh, then the end, then I guess we just end this interview. Bye. Bye, Bridget. That, that's good. That's enough. No. Okay. So, he, so here's my question for you. So we've talked about um, introversion, extroversion, how do you identify on that personality spectrum and what is one way that that has empowered your speaker journey? Oh my goodness. That I, and I'm sitting here cringing because I, I, I don't know what the question is. Right. But I, <laughs> so I'm like, Oh my goodness, am I going to be able to answer this? So number one, I am indeed an introvert and people are disagree with me so quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
and especially after a presentation or after they've seen me present, they just don't believe that. And I, and, and that is because there is a misunderstanding of what it means to be introverted, what it means to be extroverted. And you kind of talked about that a little bit yourself, Stephanie, in terms of it's about where you get your energy from. It's not about being shy, but people often will equate quietness with shyness and yes people who are on the introverted spectrum if you will they tend to be a little bit more quiet they tend to be a little bit more reserved think about meetings they're not going to be quick to speak up think about social events or networking events where maybe they're called to the microphone to quote unquote just say a few words people who are introverted are not quick to do that because they like to think about the full packaging of their message they like to make sure everything that they say or as much of what they say is on point and doesn't have them looking and feeling foolish now, to answer the second part of your question, it's directly connected to that last piece I just gave you. Introverted people tend to pay attention to every single detail, and they are quite observant, and they pay attention to the body language in the audience, and they pay attention to any kind of nuance, uh, any kind of feeling, emotion that comes from their presentations. They think about how is this question going to make the audience feel? What kinds of answers might I get? What kinds of reactions will I get? And so how being an introvert has played into my speaking and how I show up and delivery is that very point. I think about very specifically how I will start each presentation. In every presentation, I make sure I use the word you at least four times. Every presentation, I try to make sure I give the person who's introducing me a very brief bio. I'll even pull them to the side before the presentation. And I'll ask, are you going to introduce me? And I know they think it's kind of an egotistical move on my part because they're probably thinking, oh, this girl, she probably wants us to play some some hot girl on fire song or something. She, she's probably a diva. No, that's not it. I want that bio downplayed as much as possible. And I usually give you about one or two sentences, three at most. Because the audience doesn't care about that. You want to know what it is I know that's going to help you with your life. Personal, professional, what have you. So I choreograph as much of my presentation as possible, thinking about what's going to happen every of the way and how I want it to ebb and flow in the middle and at the end. So that's how my introverted nature plays into how I show up on ages. And then when I'm done, I want to go get in an Uber and get on the plane. I always get a window seat and I get in that window seat as fast as I can and just settle down because I'm done. But when I'm on, I'm on. When I'm on that stage, I have been given this power to own the room. And that is exactly what I'm going to do. And then after that, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <Yes>. a wrap. <laughs> snaps for that yeah I mean that reminds me just a concluding share is one of the concepts from confident introvert is called a solitude sandwich and it sounds like that's part of what you do where the the activity the speaking you're on that stage that's let's say your peanut butter in your sandwich and then 
I don't, it sounds like at least on one end, maybe it's an open face sandwich. Uh, there's a slice of bread there, which is your solitude where you're like, okay, peace. I, I came and I served and I did the thing. And now I'm going to have some me time. It's a full sandwich. It's a full sandwich full because sandwich. prior to the presentation, I'm not too interested in chit-chatting and going on because that's taking energy away from me that mm. I really, really keep stored up you're conserving. to give the audience. Mm-hmm. But if you're wanting me to come have lunch with you before the presentation, I'll do it. But deep down inside, I don't want to because it's going like to, I, 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 uh-huh. I filled my tank up. I, I what, wait, what was that, Stephanie? Oh, I said company retreats like you to do that. Yeah, they'll invite you to like, oh yes. yeah, come for dinner. And then either before or after, then do this. And it's like, all right, let's, you know, let's acclimate. Let's make a, a bigger solitude sandwich, Texas toast on either side, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. But then you do it, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what's expected. And to say no would not be gracious and yada, yada, yada. But I, introverts have their tanks filled up and they're ready to pour it out to that audience. And so to have an introvert engage in this social before the presentation where you have to quote unquote be on because yes lunch it's 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 nothing serious but you still feel like you have to be present mentally and and so it's taking it's it's dipping some of that energy out of me what I really want to give the audience and uh, once I'm done and and I give them everything so the second piece of bread on my sandwich is I'm done after the presentation and people and of course the folks that come up to you afterwards wanting to know more and or so I can engage that but yeah <laughs> I have the full sandwich I have the full sandwich going on Stephanie what is one last point to tell our listeners when it comes to being confident, introverted or extroverted, owning that microphone, showing up and shining. So the basis for confidence is feeling calm. Mm -hmm. So if you find that there's a lot of nervousness and jitters and that's keeping you from showing up in the way that you'd like to show up, then engaging in meditation, engaging in deep breathing and exercise and doing those things that can help allow us to that allow us to achieve that baseline level calm will then give us the opportunity to be confident and then once we're confident this is a lot of what I do in my framework with clients then we're able to connect with with people and then we're able to lead so the basis Ooh. is calm i love that I love that people think you've got to get hyped up and you've got to, and for some people, maybe that works. Maybe, maybe that yeah. Works. <laughs> Transform your nerves. You can do that, but I, I don't know. I don't think you need to necessarily transform these, this anxious energy into, oh, now I'm going to be this super like manic, ah, like you can do that. It works for some people, but I don't know. There's something about a more understated confidence where you're talking with people, you're on stage and there could be 10 people, there could be 10,000 people, but you're able to walk up there with good posture and a steady, even tone with some inflections here and there. And there's something magnetizing about that in itself. 
It really is. It, I, I'm so glad you said that. It really is because I wish I could remember where I read it. I can remember ah, exactly how it was stated, but just having that calmness having that quietness about you tends to exude more of a powerful presence about you than this franticness and this moving all over the place and so forth, but just be more in control, cool and calm, that signals to the audience that you're in control, you're in command, and you've got it together. It's, it's that calm, that confidence, that command, that control. Yes, I need to jot that down. And I love alliteration anyway. <laughs> I know you were really going there. And yeah, just the power of the pause. Let's keep, let's keep it going. <laughs> there we go. All right, everybody. I know you're sitting here listening. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> They're getting on a roll. No, uh, St. Michelle. It has been really great having you on the show. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with the listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bridget. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>